am Paula Shadi Anosier. Welcome to another episode of the SNC Podcast. I hope everyone is doing great. Now, before I delve into my conversation with my guest for this episode, this is a gentle reminder to our listeners, both old and new, to please remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Mixcloud, or Stitcher Radio. For the Spotify lovers, don't worry, don't worry. I am working on getting the podcast on there. Also, please do not forget to leave me a comment about what you like about the show and what you do not like. All reviews are definitely welcome and it will help me going forward. We are also close to the end of season two. We have two more episodes to go. So thank you so much to everyone for rocking with me thus far. Alrighty, my guest this week is music producer and audio engineer, Cold Flames Beats. Cold Flames' love for music started in the church, where he learned how to play the drums and the piano. Realizing that he had a gift, he decided to become a music producer. Cold Flames developed his skills and has become one of the few music producers in Nigeria who artists go to when searching for a producer that understands how to create a rock record. He has produced for artists such as Clay, Tosin Buckner, Uchman, John Ekbay, and more. Welcome to the show, Cold Flames. <laughs> I see, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. It has been like trying to get you here with my own waka waka, with your waka waka, but somehow the Lord ordained it and it's happening. Yeah, destiny. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show, Shadi. Now, this is totally random. Do you know Mom? You know Mumaji, right? Yeah, I know Mumaji now. I used to be a super fan when I was younger. <laughs> okay, so we're already best friends. Do you know any of her old songs called... Yeah. What do you think I'm going to ask? <laughs> yes. Why is this song not on iTunes or Spotify or... Are you serious? I cannot find it. Probably their fault. And for those who do not know what I'm talking about, there's this song Mumaji had called Ocho Ocho. And they used to play back on AIT back in those days. You know, very like amazing video. That's an awesome song. He, you were already coming in. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just like, you know, one of those things that I just, I was thinking about. I was like, you know, I, I would like to have that song on Spotify, Apple, and it's not just available for purchase, you know? But anywho, totally random sidetrack. So just to give us a brief background about yourself, you have a 9 to 5, but you are a music producer. So can you just talk to us about your family background and how you got into music more specifically? Um, well, I'm from a family of five. My dad, my mom, a younger brother and a younger sister. Um, my dad is a pastor. So obviously when I was younger, I was forced to join a particular department in church and everything. So I loved music. I joined the music department. I was actually very young. I think I was like five, six or something. So I joined the music department as a drummer. So I started playing drums. After some few, I think after like some three years, I started playing the piano. So then I learned the piano, the guitar and everything. So I just got interested in music. And from there, I realized that I could actually use my skills to produce music. So that's how it all started. All right. So drums, then the piano and then the guitar. Do you, and do you still play all of them extremely well? Yeah, I still play the drums and the piano very well. The guitar, just once in a while. Any plans to like, you know, improve your skills on that? Mm, well, I don't know. 
Okay. Now, one of your musical influences, you say, is Max Martin. Yeah. Um, you say he's probably the best producer ever. Trust me. Okay. So talk to us about how Max Martin has shaped or influenced you as a music producer and the types of music that you listen to and love. Okay. Apparently, I think the first Max Martin song I ever heard was um, Britney Spears. Hit me, baby. And I just like the sound. I was like, wow, this is actually very unique and different then. Because, of course, on radio, everything was hip-hop, R&B, hip-hop, R&B. And that actually sounded very, very different. Then, over time, I realized that there are even some older songs I heard that were actually Max Martin. For example, Ace of Base. Oh, that's true. Back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. It was co-produced by Max Martin and Dennis Pope. Even our dear own, what's his name, Dr. Alban, who was part of the guys that actually produced those tracks and stuff. So I was like, wow, so this guy actually this fantastic and stuff. I remember like watching the random video. I think it was like three years ago. And there was like a little documentary on um, Dennis Pope. And that was when they talked about, you know, him working with, yeah, Dr. Alban back in the day. That's really cool. So you would say that his, I guess, production and just the stuff that he did influenced you to go into... Yeah. Yeah, a lot. Then, of course, my, one of my favorite bands ever, the Backstreet Boys. So, his music is just sweet. You can check out John Bon Jovi, It's My Life. Like, it stands out from all his other songs. Just nice, basically. So He's such a genius. He's such a genius. Which I wanted to make sure that I talked about, talked about this because Max Martin is more poppy. Slash, maybe I guess you could say he dabbles in other, st- in other stuff. But you, your genre is more of rock. So, talk to us about how you got into rock music. Well, I would say of... Okay, not unfortunately, I'll say fortunately. The identity came by chance. Because music-wise, I actually listen to a lot of music. And I produce a l- as in all kinds of genres. So, but when I met, I met a particular artist called Clay. And I realized that she liked rock music. And we were just talking and vibing. And we're like, okay, you know what? Let's even try this rock music thing in Nigeria. So, shake it. I like rock music, like rock music. And you actually have a very good voice for rock music. Okay, let's try this out and let's see. It was very experimental. Then I remember the first track she did, Ogadi Silma. No, sorry, Ninum. That was actually the first track ever that she did, and just had to do something. I just threw it out there. How did you even meet Clay? Um, a friend of mine was producing a rap track and needed a singer, so someone brought in Clay into the studio. And I was like, "Wow, this girl can sing for heavens!" <laughs> so basically, that was just it. So started making tracks together and said you can make rock songs. And out of all the artists I've been producing, she was one that had more traction. So automatically, I had that branding of the rock producer. Basically, it's all good. That is because a lot of rock artists always tend to come to me. I want to do alternative songs. I want to do rock songs. Yeah. And how challenging has that been for you? Because I was speaking to someone today and she was saying that it's great that people associate a particular sound with her or a particular style, but that sometimes you have other elements of yourself that you want to showcase and it can sometimes feel like you're being boxed in and pigeonholed. Yeah, that's actually true. Sometimes you can be very stereotyped and boxed in a particular place that you probably don't want. So for example, I was producing a track for a guy, a rock song, obviously. And when he was done, it was like, if I go back to Inuku, they're just going to look for this producer that I've been doing a high life song. I was like, guy, I didn't do high life now. Why? I said, oh, are you serious? Okay, play me some of the stuff that you've done. And I play stuff and I'm like, are you serious? So you do stuff like this? Ah, everybody thinks you do rock, just rock, 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 rock. I was like, yeah, I know. It's just, how I put it, it's just a price to pay for having someone get to a certain level with your sound. But... We are trying to. We are working on it, yeah. Now you speak. To, I said you speak. <laughs> you spoke about Clay. <laughs> you spoke about Clay, and you spoke about Ogadisima. She also has other tracks. I'm only dancing in the sun. So many tracks that you produce for her. Now, just talk to us about what is it about her that just makes your collaborative process such a very seamless and joyous thing for both of you. Yeah. First of all, I'll just say. Um 
we had the same likeness for rock songs basically although she even likes hard rock songs i'm not one of those metal people so i was like okay i'm tired of the music in nigeria let's just even just do something new let's even know where to get to let's just try and we blended we bonded as in really bonded when making music because she probably found it hard to get certain producers i found it hard to actually get people that can sing that way so so just very seamless and the chemistry was just there and still sticking with clay and the sound which is rock music what would you say because you know back i guess if you look back maybe a couple of years rock music it was even a struggle to say a rock sing you know in nigeria but that matter now we're beginning to make more strides but why would you think that nigerians are a little more hesitant to accept rock music as a genre in nigeria that can thrive because someone i asked someone a different question that kind of is tied to this and the person said that maybe the average nigerian feels like different genres that are not african inspired are already being done by other people so if you now say as a nigerian you want to do a genre that is not really i guess normal to us they feel like you need to inc- i guess include the african elements in there oh so just saying that um, basically i think the major obstacle is media exposure because automatically if the media exposes the masses to anything it's accepted whether it's good or it is bad automatically it's a bit accepted it's not left for them to either go back to it or not so a lot of times because of the radio format in this particular part of the world it's rhythmic it's african it's up tempo people just need to dance in quotes that's what all the dj say i need to play dance music so that people don't tune off people don't tune off you understand so it's always hard to actually try and format a rock song into a playlist on radio so automatically yeah, off the radio. Except for certain shows that are probably specific to rock songs. Or maybe at in the night or all night. She when nobody be listening to you. <laughs> she get, but basically I think it's just media exposure. As long as the media can probably expose those kind of artists. Because there are examples now. We have Simi. They were able to portray her to the public and people accepted her. We still have praise. We have um, we have um, Timmy Dakolo. We have Kobams. We have a lot of people like that actually that do alternative music. And as long as their music is actually exposed to the masses, people accept them. Because at the end of the day, if you make a good song, it's a good song. People love good songs. They love up tempo songs that people actually detest. In short, statistically, we can actually say that eighty percent of songs on radio never even make it. They're just fillers. Just very few songs actually make it to the top. You understand? So as long as a song is good and you can actually expose it to the masses, you're good. So the media has a major role to play on that or in that? A big role. As in a very, very big role. Okay. Now speak to us about how Oga Decima was put together because that's such a lovely song. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, eh? that song was originally meant for Eagle Bliss. <laughs> Did he know that? Yeah. Uh, why did we all made the song together? Uh, tell us the story. So basically, um, one of the studios where I met um, Clay was owned by B-Elect. Okay. Thoroughbred. Who was in the same group with Iblis then, Thoroughbreds and stuff. So, of course, they had uh, they all like that vibe and stuff. So, Iblis was like, okay, we wanted to make a song in that. I remember this particular track then by Fort Minor. Where do you go? I need you so. So, was like, okay, let's make a song in that direction and stuff. And he would just rap. She would sing. And we understood and we vibed. Did everything. And the, we made a skeletal beat and she sang the chorus. Even Iblis was part of it. I actually even brought the Oga Dissima. And that was it. But certain things came up and nobody could use the song. And I just stopped it. And that was the period when I was like, okay, you know, then let's even try. 
because then we're even trying to get out okay let's try and get people to probably even sign you and stuff but it was very hard because he was a rock artist so like let's move to something and one of the best one of the catchiest chorus that we had then was actually that Ogadisima. and it was it was quite how would i put it mainstream it was extremely rock so i just took the song remade the beat and we now made a full song out of it so that's how Ogadisima came about and what did Elvis say when he... Nothing. <laughs> he didn't take the song, he didn't take it. What about Dancing in the Sun? Yeah, Dancing in the Sun was... Like, okay, I could say every year we just try to release at least a song or two songs. So that particular year, we just kind of listened to sounds that were trending. So I made a bit and sent her the bit, and she wrote on it, basically. And I think she went for an interview on radio and met Vector. And we're like, okay, Vector, please, I'd like to feature on this song. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll jump on this song and that's how it happened. Okay, that's very cool. Now, you also produced the theme song for the short-lived, I guess it was a 2015, was a webisode called Pillow Talk. Okay. You don't remember it? <laughs> well, it was apparently you produced the theme song and it was apparently it was supposed to be a show about the tender moments and arguments that couples have in the bedroom. So <laughs> I just wanted to ask if that was your first time producing a theme song for a show. No, I, I think I did. There was one we did for Sanchez. Um, for a director or rather than a producer then Sanchez um, I've forgotten the name of the series but the name of the song was um, Here and we've done some other ones Copper's Lodge did the theme song for Copper's Lodge um, yeah I think that's just it okay now let's move on to the technical side of music production can you explain why plugins are important when creating or producing a record plugins are important because to an extent, if you have good plugins, it helps in interpreting your ideas faster. That's just it. Let's even go back to digital workstations before plug yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's always this argument about, I use Logic. Which one do you even use? I actually use a wide range. Okay, I use FL Studio, I use Cubase, I use Logic, I use Pro Tools. I prefer FL Studio anytime, any day. Workflow. Yeah, because it's so fast. I open something, boom, boom, boom. I've made my drums. Within 10 minutes, I have my drum set. I connect my MIDI keyboard. I've recorded. As in, it's pretty straightforward. But you have some other complicated softwares. So, I know that it's actually down to your own personal skill. But plugins and everything they make you interpret certain things faster. But at the same time, you need good plugins that will create good sounds. Because you can have two similar producers. And one actually has fantastic plugins. The other one is using very, very low-end plugins. And by the end of the day, his sound is scrappy. Not because he's not skillful, just because of the sound. And the other guy that has one heavenly sound, like, wow, how did this guy do this? So that's just it. By the end of the day, it's still down to your own mental capabilities. Now, still sticking with the technical aspect of music production, I want to ask a question about mixing and mastering. How do you go about your own mixing process? Are you the kind of mixer or audio engineer that you create, I mean, you mix what the artist or person expects? Or you mix what you think would sound better. Or you mix, you do two of them and say, take the one you want. I think 90% of the times I've mixed for people, I actually do what I think is right. Because, well, maybe because I'm a music producer. So automatically, they already trust me. Like, okay, just do the sound. Just create the sound for us. A lot of times, so people always come and like, okay, please, I'm confused. I don't know. But you know what? Then we're doing this for you because you want, we want you to create a particular sound that you have for us. So automatically, once you finish producing and you finish recording, they leave everything to you. 
So I think most of the times you have those issues of where they want a particular mix or not when you're not the one that produced the song. So they might have produced, recorded, and added certain effects down as a premix just for the final mixing engineer to listen to. So at that particular point, you are a bit forced to do what they've done before or what they want. But most of the time, if you start the music with them from the scratch, you probably end up doing what you feel is right. And what I've consistently read and just speaking to also other audio engineers is that it's always more beneficial for the mixer or the audio engineer rather to be involved in the process from the get-go. Exactly. It helps you have an idea of what the actual artist wants. Instead of them forcing certain things, okay, no, I want a delay to go from here. And you now start acting like, no, 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 it doesn't sound nice like this, but you don't actually know what the producer actually intended. Yeah. So that's, sometimes it's actually very hard for a, a random engineer to work with a producer because a producer has a vision. And you have your own vision too. So it clashes at the end of the day. So it's always good to be there when the whole process is being done. Okay. All right. That's cool. You once posted on Instagram tips for arranging and mixing. And you said that, and I quote, you want to think like a cinematographer, play with spaces when producing and arranging and mixing. So you can speak briefly on what you meant by that. I think what, what I meant is this. When you are mixing, imagine you're in a space, a 3D space in particular. And imagine you're arranging the sounds and visually make sure all those sounds don't clash. So if, let's say, a trumpet is at one o'clock, the piano should be at two o'clock. Why? See, this may make sense for us, but someone who's listening is like, how, how would you know that? That the piano should be at two? Yeah, but, well, you know. Over time, you know. By the time you start mixing and mastering, yeah, it's experience, you know. So you know that you don't have to actually put the same or certain instruments in the same space. Certain instruments go together, certain instruments don't. Yeah. So, for example, common sense you tell you that you can't put a kick drum on the side. It has to be in the middle. Because, of course, the, the frequency is very low and wide. If you put it on one side, it's probably just even, even spoil the headphones or whatever. So, basically, a lot of those things come with experience. But at the end of the day, just imagine... You're just playing with space. So you can experiment, keep arranging. Even there are certain um, plugins now that actually make you feel like you're actually doing something visual. For example, if it's a touch screen, you can actually use your hand to actually shift it to a particular place. So just look at it like a cinematographer, like a photographer or whatever. Just make sure you play with the space and make sure you play with it well. Then you're good to go. I asked Makai that question about... um, either I, think, I think I asked him, but I read somewhere that... People mix in different ways. You can mix visually, like in a two-dimensional way. And you can mix for, I think it was mixing for sight and mixing two-dimensionally or something. I was just like, this is like, oh, technical gone. <laughs> well, I would say visual mixing, well, like they always advise, always mix with your ears. But at the end of the day, for panning in particular, it's easier to do mix and visual mixing. And what's panning for those who do not know what that is? just separating the sounds to the left or right hand side so if, if you have a clock basically so imagine the one two three four five six as the right hand side the seven eight nine ten eleven as the left hand side so you just arrange them per hour basically so that's just panning so but if you see it's easier for you some people probably don't have good ears because over time it's only by experience you know how to actually listen to stuff but if you see you cannot okay if i put something at one o'clock and i put the other at ten o'clock of course it will never clash so visual uh, mixing actually helps, but they really still use your ears to actually do the final mixing and mastering. All right. As a music producer, what advice would you give to a, let's, let's stick with Nigeria, a Nigerian artist who is trying to break out or carve out a niche 
for themselves or is it niche i think it's niche <laughs> is it niche niche okay kalatabolori <laughs> niche for themselves or him or herself um no but i think just be different when people say be different nobody is saying just great one niche that only 10 people will like she guess but at the same time be different like everyone else that was actually a phrase that one of my lecturers used one of the branding scholars so he was like be different but look at what clicks with everybody take it modify it and make it different she understand then you need money obviously because you can't be different and keep your song under the bed or try and just do something randomly and you expect it to work there's strategy strategy there's planning all those things cost money there's pr so there's no way you make no matter how fantastic that song is you still need people to listen to it for people to listen to it you need to push it out for you to push it out you need money so be different and try and get some money to push it so toba no unko what happened ah you you know <laughs> I think you also kind of point to the fact that the internet is also great. So if you don't even have money, you can also use To be honest with you, even nowadays, fine. No, the internet is there as a platform. It doesn't automatically make you I'm I'm, I'm just saying, but say small small. Yeah, small small. Cuz I don't know really see all these platforms now on Facebook, they are suppressing posts. You can never just post something and then people will like it. You have to actually do sponsored posts right now. She gets because it's business to them. So I don't know they still need to spend money. Seem to spend money. Fine, internet is cheaper. Way, way cheaper. I can spend dollars, ten dollars. Probably reach like five thousand people or ten thousand people, basically. But you still need to put aside a certain amount of money to push your dreams. Yeah, to be different in a relatable way. Yeah, and find a an investor. An investor. <laughs> okay. Before we move on to the fun random questions, I've been asking every producer I talk to about the challenges that you face. being a music producer in Nigeria because you know you have the issue of people not wanting to sign contracts all these different issues so for you especially because you're rock music do you tend to find people that say eh uh, you're popular do they tend to like make you not want them to sign a contract and just give them a one off situation or how do you go about navigating those issues well generally in Nigeria everybody wants a one off nobody wants to share any profit with you in the future so basically you just charge them what you can charge at a particular time a one off charge and that's it um i think the challenge basically generally is just the fact that if you are not of a certain popularity certain things are actually harder for you to do when you have a certain popularity it is easier for you to just say nah i want this i want that you have leverage so at the end of the day i think it's all about working on your own brand and popularity and when you get there you can actually decide to do whatever you want to do okay let's move on to the fun random questions Are you ready i okay what is your favorite backstreet boys record I want it that way. <laughs> That's probably the first one I heard, I guess. I don't know. Second question is, as a music producer, what is your greatest fear in life? Well, I'll say my greatest fear is not getting to that level I want to get to. Yeah, I think that was just it. So, I think I have a I, I have an image of where I want to get in my mind. So, it keeps pushing you to work hard and just do more to just get to that level. Third question, favorite song from the movie Aladdin. I can show you the world. <laughs> a whole new world, yeah. A whole new world. That's a lovely song. Okay. Name four of your favorite Nigerian artists from the 90s or early 2000s. Okay. Majek Fashek. I liked Oritz Wiliki. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Zumba, yeah, yeah. I liked Sonny Niji too then. Yeah. I remember that um, it was not Uruka. No, Ruka. The first uh, this you gave a good put to me for trouble. Oh, you gave it. Um, 
then I liked this guy. Okay, since said nineties to early two thousand, I like this guy. Then Age Baker. Ah. Oh, Angelica, she's an angel. Those are good choices. Those are good choices. Do you remember this um lady called Lizzie Hens? Nah. What? Woody. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Wait, she's now a pastor. I think in England. She has this song called um Woske. Woske. Nothing's gonna change my life. Uh. Uh-uh. I know the song now. Yes. <laughs> that is a job. Now, final question is, you can only pick two songs from the following two face records. That should be easy, actually. Uh, stay there. <laughs> the options are, If Love is a Crime, Ole, Gaga Shuffle, and Spiritual Healing. If Love is a Crime and Gaga Shuffle. Are you serious? Like I said, it's, as in, I know the two face songs I like in my head already. If African quotes, even they won't pick it. Are you serious? Why? I don't know. I just like it so that's all. Oh, if love is a crime, okay. You don't like it, Abby? No, no, no. I mean, love is a crime is cool, but you know, I think... It have first ritual healing. Yeah, and Ole. I like love is a crime. That song is yeah. like... No, those are, yeah, great choices. Okay, cool. Now, in wrapping up, can you talk to us about any projects or collaborations that you're going to be working on? Especially, like you said, you want to take your brand even further, hone your sound even more. So talk to us about that. So I'm trying to work on it collection of songs as a producer so i'm trying to feature a certain artist so still working on the process of getting those artists so but um the songs will be very eclectic so if i probably have Afrobeat, you have dubstep pop songs rock songs soul songs trap songs definitely showing a variation that you're more than rock exactly okay that's cool well thank you so much for your time yeah thanks Shadi. the snc podcast is produced by Fola Shadi anozie and tommy wafaomi to ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's T-H-E-S-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. We are also active on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.